welcome into another episode of That's the Truth. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you back. I am Jay Gallegos, and I hope that our time together will encourage and inspire you. My goal is to help you get one step closer in your journey and further along in becoming who God has intended you to be one step at a time so you can be effective and make an impact in every area of your life. And well, I had an amazing and profound conversation with Pastor Joseph Perez. It was truly an honor and a privilege to have him on the podcast. He is leading a Spanish church out of Knoxville, Tennessee, Primera Iglesia Apostolica, First Apostolic Church, along with his wife and two children. He shares a very powerful perspective on leadership, how God led him into ministry and his view as a PK. If you are a PK or in a leadership role of any kind, you're going to want to stick around to the end of this one. What Pastor Joseph shares is very, very impactful and so valuable, and I know it will be a blessing for you and you will be inspired by it. In the description below, you will find some links where you can connect with Pastor Joseph, and it is a pleasure and an honor once again to invite you into my conversation with Pastor Joseph Perez. So Pastor Joseph Perez, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome on. Thank you, man. It's, it's exciting to be here, and I'm, I've, I've been looking forward to it. And and I know that you you've been killing it with your with your episodes, and and I've tuned into some, and I've seen the uh, social media post, and, and it's exciting to be here, bro. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate everything that you're doing there in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is very exciting. Uh, it, we've seen also what what you've been putting up on, on social media. And I know that God is doing an amazing, amazing work there in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and God is using you very, very mightily there. And we're excited to have you on. We've been looking forward to this episode. We've been looking forward to, to speaking with you and uh, getting your perspective on ministry and life in ministry and life as a PK. Um, so we're very, very excited, uh, about this episode here. I would like to start is, uh, you know, take me back to the early days in your ministry, or maybe even before ministry, as uh, as a teenager. You know, what was life like for Joseph Perez as a as a teenager or before ministry? Yeah, man. So I had a very interesting upbringing, uh, especially as a as a teenager. Um, so my my dad pastored there in Houston, and and we had a church in like downtown Houston. And so I was very involved in what was the uh, bus ministry, Sunday school ministry. And we had a lot of uh, church, uh, church kids that were that were basically, you know, like from the streets of Houston. And uh, and I became really good friends with a lot of those guys, associated myself a lot with them and and their influence on me um, made it made an impact. And, and I became you know, rebellious and, and went through that whole stage of life. And, and it was, it was sort of magnified because, because of their influence, you know, you, as a teen, you obviously go through your, your years of rebellion and, and, you know, te pones travioso, like they say in Spanish. And, right. but it was just even, it was even made worse because I had a lot of guys that were involved in, in drugs and gangs and, and that street life, even though I was not, you know, in that life, I was associated to guys that were in that life and their influence on me caused me to act, speak, dress and walk a certain way. And so um, so that led that led to me, you know, uh, dropping out of high school. That led to me, you know, going uh, into into probation, being in and out of the law uh, 
in out of the system and and um and on almost honestly ruining my my future because i was facing uh i was facing jail time i was facing you know uh some some serious some serious repercussions for just being associated to guys that are involved in that life um and and so my testimony uh not to glorify the enemy and all that but my testimony is that god pulled me out of that uh he pulled us out of that environment pulled me out of that life and uh my dad he moved us to uh to willis texas which is in the country and uh i was able to sit under um my my pastor pastor dave stovall who pastors in willis texas and my pastor and and uh some other brothers brother edwin cicada and uh brother russell hayes men like billy love these men became a huge uh part of my my kind of adulting life going from that uh, 16 17 years of age to 18 we're trying to figure out what you want to be where you want to go and so the what they taught me was how to work how to be a work uh, a worker not just in the kingdom of god but in all aspects of life you know you don't go to work and keep your hands in your pocket you don't like simple things you know and so my testimony is that that god brought me out of that that life and put me into a a wholesome godly environment where where i learned to be a hard worker uh and where i learned to where i learned a trade that fast forward 10 years later i now own a business several businesses in that trade and uh and and that all happened because because i i was i was around the right people uh at that at that young age that taught me how to how to work and and that that's my testimony is that you know god god put me in an environment where i had to work and and through working and working in the kingdom working in a trade um it, it just transformed my life in so many ways um and, and i have so many testimonies of of how you know god used my ability to work to be a blessing not just to to my family financially but to be a blessing to the kingdom and uh, what's funny is I'll share one testimony. Yeah, go ahead. Because I could share hundreds of them, but uh, I remember I was um, I had already gone through like ministry training, and I was already had answered the call, and I was trying to uh, you know trying to evangelize and 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 just making myself available for for evangelism. And I had preached a little bit around Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, and I thought, man, you know what? I'm I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back to Texas, and maybe doors are open here in Texas because. As an evangelist, you kind of you're living by faith, you know. A, a lot of guys, and I don't know how it is for 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 others, but I know for a lot of people that I know in the evangelistic field, they don't have their year all booked up, you know. Yeah. Uh, they kind of go Sunday to Sunday, and and God will call them, and and they'll come preach a revival one Sunday here, and from here it'll it'll stem to somewhere else, and so that's how it was for me. I just kind of was Sunday to Sunday. Uh, I, I lived, I lived by faith and the doors would open, you know, kind of, uh, uh, just kind of in spurts. And so I, I made my way back to Texas and I, and I went back to, uh, Tabernacle de Vida. And at the time, brother Hopkins was, was the pastor there. Right. And that's where I was raised. That's where I grew up. So I went into the office and sister Valerie, who's a secretary there, sister Valerie Burnett, I was like, hey, sis, uh, is it okay if I just come and pray during the day at the church, in the, in the sanctuary? 
You know, I was like, I'm a traveling evangelist and I'm just kind of, you know, in transition. And she said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be perfectly fine. Well, as she's saying that, uh, the, uh, I think he's the associate pastor or the assistant pastor, uh, brother Monday, yeah. he comes mm-hmm. out of the office and he is like, bro, he's covered in sweat and, and dirt. And he's like, you can tell he's been working and, um, and he's like, Hey bro, how's it going? And I was like, Hey, how's How's it going? And and I and I just asked him. Said, "Is everything okay? Do you need help? You know, because he looked like he was struggling." Yeah. And he said, "Bro, he goes, uh, he goes, not. Nah, I think I got it. I think we're good. We're just doing some projects here around the church." And I said, oh, "Okay, cool." He was like, "What are you doing here?" So well, I'm I'm here. I'm gonna go pray. And and I said, uh, "But but you know, if you need anything, just let me know." He's like, "All right, cool." Long story short, I go I go pray. I don't even pray five minutes, and I feel convicted because I'm like, "Here's this pastor." That's obviously struggling, needs somebody to help him do something. I don't know what it is, but it's anything, right? So I'm over here praying for the will of God to happen in my life, you know. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to go. I had my work clothes in the in the car. I had all my clothes in the car. I was like, I'm going to put my work clothes on and go back there and see what he needs. So I go back there and I say, hey, bro, I'm, I'm available to work. And he saw, obviously, I had changed. I said, what do you need? What do you need me to do? He goes, he said, honestly, what I need is I need a plumber is I need somebody who knows plumbing. And, uh, and I was like, bro, I said, I, I'm, uh, I'm your guy. Like, yeah, that's wow. what I do for a living. That's what I used to do. Yeah. And he was like, really? He goes, well, we're remodeling, uh, the pastor's office, the pastor's restroom. I need to move a sink. I need to disconnect the shower. And so long story short, I ended up helping in the remodeling or, or the re repiping and replumbing of, of pastor Hopkins's office. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of how my ministry has been. I, and from there, it just kind of turned into, I started helping people from the church, uh, and, and still evangelizing, still making myself available to preach. I ended up, you know, uh, serving as a youth pastor for brother, he was brother Gavada in Fresno, Texas. Okay. And, uh, and pastor Hopkins was my pastor, but I was the youth pastor for brother Gavada in Fresno. And, and, uh, man, bro, I was, I was serving there. And, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's sort of my testimony in, in a nutshell is just God has blessed me with the ability to learn to trade and, and be a blessing to the kingdom and pulled me out of a, of a lifestyle that could have ruined my future. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I commend you for that. And listening to the calling, listening to the voice of God, because in so many instances I've seen where uh, God is, is really, really tugging at, at, at people's heart and really tugging at young people uh, specifically. And it, you know, on the other end, it's just no one opening the door. But you did that. You opened the door. You you were willing to be humble. You were willing to be uh, a, a servant. And uh, that that act of uh, servanthood and that act of being a uh, a faithful uh, steward of what God has given you that is that is an amazing testimony. And I definitely commend you for that. Talk to me yes, a little sir. bit about the transition and the preparation when, as you were getting closer to calling and you were getting closer to. Um, did you ever see? being a pastor in, in, um, in front of you? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, I, I always thought I would have like these clear visions, right. Or these clear directions. Um, you know, I've, as a kid, I did feel the, the tug to ministry. I did feel, I felt God speak to me too, that I would one day pastor. And, um, um, but then, you know, as you get older, as a, as you start to really, um, evaluate the situations that you're in and and as a teenager as a as a young adult 
um, you, you really want more of a sign. You kind of turn into a Gideon, right? You're like, God, show me a sign. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like show me a sign. It's like, well, you've already heard the voice of God. God already spoke to you. Yet we still require a sign. And, and, uh, and that's kind of where I was. But what was interesting for me was like, God never really gave me a clear vision or a clear sign of direction. Um, he just opened the right doors at the right time. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, when, when I get back from, I went through this, uh, ministry training in Alexandria at the Pentecostal Alexandria, Pastor Mangan. I did like a three month course there. And when I got back, um, I'm thinking, okay, uh, you know, this is where my ministry is going to take off. Well, not that it didn't take off. It just didn't take off the way I thought it would. And what ended up happening, though, was the opportunity opened for us to start a Spanish work, which we had already started it. But it was just kind of like now I would assume a more uh, prominent role in that Spanish church. I would be the assistant pastor at at 18 years old. Uh, And so uh, I became the assistant to the Spanish church. And my Spanish was, you know, know, it was it was bad. It was like I, I just I stuttered. I didn't pronounce the words correctly. But here I am, an assistant to the Spanish work, um, and and Pastor Edwin Cicada, he was the lead pastor, and we were both young. I think he at the time was in his mid thirties. I was just eighteen. Uh, he was newly married. Uh, was had a brand new baby, and then I was just a single young man, and and we were just doing the work for God, and so that's where I kind of first started to see, and 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 go after what I felt like my calling was yet. Um, as we were pastoring, we were, instead of growing a church, we were losing people, mm. which is hilarious because we had, the church had grown like to around 30. Yeah. And, and then when, as, as, as we continued the work, it just, it was depleted and you yeah. know what that's like, yeah, you know, you absolutely. get discouraged, you start questioning whether or not you're doing the right thing, whether or not you know what you're doing. Mm. And so I felt like, man, am I really called to pastor? You start questioning your calling. Right. And this is after you know God called you to do it. This is after the door has been open for you to do it. And so then I'm like, man, I don't know if this is what I need to do. So so that's kind of how like in transition, in preparation, like I did all the preparation, right? Praying, fasting, studying, and 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 then trying to get into that pastoring. Uh I was I was just discouraged and insecure about it um but i think that was necessary because you know you have to go through those those early stages i always tell young people that there's no substitute for time or experience like you could probably substitute good preaching like if you're not a good preacher you can substitute it with good administration right right if you're not a a good administrator you can substitute it with good preaching right yeah. Uh, if you're if you're not, um, you know, uh, if you're not really a people person, you can substitute it with with being, you know, a delegator, uh, you know, delegating responsibility to somebody who is a people. person. So there's a lot of things you can substitute in ministry. But the two things that you'll never be able to substitute and in, in going into ministry or starting a work or doing anything in ministry. And, you know, you will never substitute time, the time it takes to grow a work, to develop a work or to grow into your ministry. Yeah. Like it takes time to grow into being a pastor. Right. 
And I thought that I would just like, just because God called me to be a pastor, I thought that like immediately I would go into that pastor mode. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, uh, the, the experience, like there's no substitute for experiences, you know, the experience of, of pastoring, of, of dedicating babies, of marrying couples and counseling them and, 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 and helping families through, through turmoil and through loss and, and helping people through a pandemic, like who was prepared for that, right? That experience was, was unbelievable. Right. Um, how we, how we had to learn how to pastor people through different, uh, phases in life. And, and so, you know, I just, I just early on, I learned that I was not going to be able to substitute the time it took or the experiences that I had to, I had, I had to just grow into that. That was my transition. And that was my preparation was I realized, you know, I need time and I need experience. Yeah. So, um, so I just went with the flow, bro. And, yeah. and, and like I said, it wasn't like God showed me uh, a vision from heaven and wrote on the tablets of stone. And I descended from the mount and, <laughs> and did what God called me to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was yeah, just like, yeah. I, I came home and the door opened and I walked through it and it was just small opportunities that turned into these, these great impacts in people's lives. And there's people that from that time that, that we pastored that are still connected to me they're still connected to that church. My brother Edwin Cicada still pastors that church. Yeah. Um, and and it's and it's he's grown and developed it, developed it to what it is today. And and they are having phenomenal revival. And uh and and he is he is doing a, a an amazing job. And um, but you know, it was just like it took us time, it took us experiences and and uh, and and that was the transition. Yeah, that's awesome. And early on with not having that experience as a backup and not having that experience under your belt. Um, I'm pretty sure that some people or you came across people that would probably question your ministry or question yeah. uh, your leadership oh, yeah. role at a young age, or maybe even try to test you, you know, how can a young person <laughs> like this, you know, lead me in my role? You know, I'm maybe 10 years further down the line than he is, how can he lead me and my family? So as you were getting started in a leadership role at a very young age, how did you initially build trust with the church or the people, the constituents, even though you did not have that experience as a backing? Oh man, I still have that. Like I still get that today. I'm 29 yeah. years old. Yeah. Uh, I pastor people twice my age. Um, and, and I still get that, you know? So it's, it's something I'm still learning to overcome. But I will say that, you know, I always refer back to the scripture, um, let no man despise thy youth. Yeah. And I think that that scripture is 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 kind of twofold. Obviously, you know, uh, the 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 significance of, you know, don't don't feel like you're too young to do a work and and don't feel like, you know, you're too young to to be used of God. Like, obviously, there's there's an element of the scripture that that leads towards that significance but then there's another element that's when paul says let no man despise thy youth um i believe personally that there's 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 something about a young person who's ambitious who's hungry who's desiring who's who has the 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 fervor and and the energy to complete a work so i think that what i what i always tend to lean towards 
I tell people, I tell people, I know I'm young, guys. I know that you look at me and I'm just a kid in your eyes and I've not lived long enough to know what you've been through, what you're going through, what you're facing. But, you know, I'm hungry enough to see a move of God that don't you don't have to trust me because of my experiences. You know, trust me because of my desire to do a work for God and my my fervor and and my passion towards this. You know, and they and people connect more with me because of my passion yeah. um, than my experience. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like the Absolutely. people that come to my church and and submit themselves to my to to my leadership and allow me to be their pastor, I will I, I can guarantee you that it's not because of my life experiences. Yeah. Uh it's because of my passion for for the kingdom of God. And and what I mean by that is I'm visiting I'm visiting them. Um, I'm, you know, teaching them, I'm investing in them, I'm encouraging them, I'm doing, I'm outworking, you know, everybody else in their life that's trying to grab their attention. Yeah. And so that's, that's what helps me as a young person, knowing that they look at me and they think this guy's young, like, what is he going to tell me that I don't already know that I haven't already lived? Yeah. You know? And my thing is like, well, I, I may not can tell you anything that you don't already know, but I'm going to I'm going to be the guy that's going to constantly encourage you and push you and motivate you and 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 let some of my energy and my passion, you know, uh, bleed off and 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 move you. And some people, you know, when they come to church, they'll tell me like, man, Brother Joseph, like you're on fire for God. And I'm like, I hope that fire gets on you. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. And, and that's my goal. And so as young people, you know, we we can't focus so much on well, they don't trust me. They don't believe in me. It's like as long as you remain passionate, let no man despise that youth. You know, don't don't let anybody put out your fire as a young person. Right. You know, don't let anybody put out your passion or that energy that you have as a young person. Um, and that'll be more beneficial for you and for them. Than, than you having all these experience, experiences and accolades and and you know what I'm saying absolutely and so and that that's kind of how I still still to this day deal with that yeah and that's one of the things that really reaches out to people and establishing that personal connection building into their life it's all about giving and it's all about pouring out into others and pouring out into their heart and I feel that whenever you're preaching and you're communicating and you're speaking in front of a group, your heart is always going to speak to their heart and your experience oh, yeah. is always going to speak to someone else's experience. But when it comes to spirit, you have to be passionate yeah. and your spirit is going to connect yes. with their spirit. And their only way to do that is by being Absolutely. passionate the way that you're going about it. And that right there, I think is building relationship, building uh, your, your, your constituents, building the church, with longevity, with the proper foundation, man, you're doing it and you're doing it well. And uh, I commend you for that. That is awesome. And you definitely have the leadership to do it. So from, from your perspective, what are, what, what were some of the early challenges that you probably came across when you first became a pastor? What would you consider um, maybe an early challenge that you came across? Um, some of the early challenges as a pastor, uh, for for me personally was you know just just the what we talked about 
feeling feeling like you know people don't respect me or don't listen to me because we're because I'm young, and and um, you know I I think that it it really it really just it kind of uh, hindered me from really doing uh, everything God called me to do. It's like you said something earlier. You know God is always speaking. God is always trying to you know nudge us to do, and He that hope opens Himself to that will do it and so i think for for uh for me one of the early challenges was learning to hear and and differentiate the voice of god from the voice of reason right and the voice of discouragement and the voice of of um of insecurity mm. right so um you know as a young pastor uh i would i would feel god you know, speak to me and say, Hey, go to, go to this tire shop or go to this market or go to this home and, and witness and knock on their door. Or I would see a lady passing by and, and, and the Holy ghost nudge me to go speak to her. And in the early stages of being a pastor, I didn't do it. I always ignored the voice because to me, it wasn't the voice of God. It was just like the voice of, of, of ambition and the voice of, you know what I'm saying? Like you feel like, yeah. or, or you talk yeah. yourself out of it because you're like, ah, they don't right. want it. They don't want to hear me. Like, look yeah. at me, I'm a kid. Yeah. You know, so you don't do it. And and one thing that I learned, like as 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 I as I watched my father, my father till this day, my mom's sending me pictures earlier. She sent me pictures this morning. Um, he he went out and and he's talking to people as they're getting into their car. He's wow. talking to people as they're putting lo- groceries into their into their you know uh their grocery basket and he's like speaking to people in the most inconvenient time you know what i'm saying yeah like it's like (laughs) it's like why would you do that but that's that's what you do when god when god says hey here's a soul go reach for them yeah but as a as a young person as a young pastor you feel like well it's not the right time god it's not convenient it's not you know god they don't want to hear right now i'm gonna wait till till you know i pass them on the street or they're not doing something or and 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 that was one of the earlier uh challenges that i had was putting aside uh you know my my reasoning or or my excuses or whatever i thought my insecurities and and just just going for it like just really going for it you know if if i'm passing by a house and god says stop and knock on the door yeah you know what i'm saying like i'm stopping i'm knocking on the door because you don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and I'll give a short testimony about what I mean. Please do. I remember I was, I was, uh, we, we, we started the work here in Knoxville or over, over three years ago. And this was about four years ago. So we hadn't even started the work. We had started plans. I had met with pastor. I presented him a, a whole, um, uh, proposal on what, how we could start the work. And I had these, these three month, six month goals and all this stuff had financial plans for the church. And so we had already like laid out the foundation, but we hadn't launched it yet. So we're driving down, we're leaving Knoxville and we're going to go preach in Memphis. And, uh, and I stopped at a gas station outside of Nashville. And there's this couple there that are, uh, obviously they're getting gas. And I see this lady and I'm thinking they're Hispanic. And I'm thinking, man, I know we're far from Knoxville, but you never know, right? You never know. And I'm thinking, God, uh, you know, should I speak to them? And God's like, go for it. Go talk to them. And so I go up to this lady and I'm I'm talking to her and I'm 
and, and we're just making conversation, just general conversation. And then I, I go into my, you know, my spiel on how to get, you know, hey, would you like to come to church or do you go to church? And so come to find out they pastor a church outside of Nashville. Okay. Okay. I'm going to make yeah. this long story short, but so they pastor a church outside of Nashville. Uh, they invite me to come preach for them. They're Jesus name. They're apostolic. Invite me to come preach for them. I go preach for them. Um, and, and we established a great relationship. We got to know each other. And all that happened because I just, I, I felt the nudge to, to, to talk to them. Yeah. Well, the story doesn't end there. Four years later, this man, or three years later, this man decides he's going to leave his church to a friend of ours. And he's going to go back to Mexico in, in Guerrero, Mexico, Papayo, Guerrero, Mexico, yep. and start a church in his hometown. So he does that. And um, when he's there, he's he's like baptizing his whole town. He's having street services. He's telling about how he came from Tennessee and into Mexico and God's doing this work. And they're having these street services and baptizing people, people getting the Holy Ghost left and right. Well, a man comes up to him and says, hey, bro, I have uh, two sisters that live in Tennessee and I want them to go to a church like this one. And he says, well, what part of Tennessee? He says, they live in Knoxville. Wow. And he says, I have a friend that passes in Knoxville. Mind you, I met this guy four years ago at a gas station. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was out of God just telling me, go speak to this couple. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and so he calls me, says, Hey, I got these, this information of these, these, these ladies that, uh, if you could invite them to church, the brother really wants them to go to church. Long story short, we go into a 10 week revival, bro. We baptize the whole family. Wow. I'm talking about. 10 souls baptized three of them got the holy ghost and we're still in that revival man we're still you know we're still receiving reaping blessings from that and all that came from learning learning how to differentiate the voice of god and the voice of reason man that is so when god says go speak go speak to somebody when god says go knock on the door and i have i have many testimonies like that i can tell you like when when i was in with texas I, I remember I was praying at church. I would go to church and pray all day on Sundays. And that doesn't make me super spiritual. It just made me, I didn't have other responsibilities. Like I was young. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but I would pray at the church all day on Sunday. And and I remember one day God said, go knock on Donald's door. He lived right in front of the church. And I'm like, God, I don't, Donald's not going to come to church. And I'm, I'm arguing with God. He says, go knock on Donald's door. Long story short, I walk out there. I invite Donald to church. We end up baptizing his whole family. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and all that comes from like God just saying, Hey, go speak to them, go invite them. And all of a sudden the fruit of that is you, you, you see a harvest that you didn't expect. And so overcoming that challenge, that early challenge of discerning the voice of God in your life. Um, and it, and it's, it is as simple as him saying, go knock on that door, go speak to that person. And, and, I think that that to me was one of the greatest challenges and 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 there are many others but that's one of the more the more predominant ones that I faced. I love the way you put that with listening to the voice of reason versus listening to the voice of God because Oftentimes when you're listening to the voice of God to us in our human mindset it's not, yeah, it's not gonna no, make sense. Never. It's not gonna make it's sense. It's never not for me. Yeah. It's never made sense for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's not going to make sense often, you know, and we see that all, all throughout the Bible, it's applicable. And, um, that, that is amazing, amazing how God has been leading you to reach people. And you've been listening to the, to the right voice and listening and obeying and being obedient to that. That is amazing. So something that I wanted to ask you about, something that I was curious about as a, as a young minister, a young pastor, um, you have the experience now, you've learned so many things, but what are some important guardrails or parameters that, that protect you and your family uh, from ministry? Um, or what would you see keeping you on track with the vision and with the, with the calling of God over your life? You know, what has been some important guardrails or parameters that you've established? Yeah. So uh, there's, there's a few, I think personal conviction, like I remember uh, my mentor, Pastor Julio May, he told me one time, he said, you know, Joseph, um, you have, you have a, you have a great life of consecration and, and devotion to God. And he's like, you, you're, you're consecrated, you're devoted to God. He said, but at some point, and this is when I was young, I was still young in ministry. He's like, at some point your devotion has to turn into conviction. Mm. So it's good to be devoted to God. Like we're all devoted to God, especially when you're young, you're ambitious, you're seeking God, you're wanting, you're wanting opportunity, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to be used. But that devotion that you have when you're writing out those messages, when you're, you know, you're studying the word of God and you're, you're preparing yourself to grow. He's like, at some point you're going to have to live out all those messages. Yeah. You're going to have to turn that devotion that you've written out, that you, that you've, you know, mapped out. And it's going to have to be converted into a connection that you're going to have to live out. And so one of the guardrails in my life has been my, the life of conviction. And uh, I heard a, a pastor even this week say, I, I hold higher convictions than my father. Mm. Um, and my father was very, he was, he was, he was a man of, of, of many standards. Uh, but I have more standards than my father. I don't want to have less. I don't want to be less convicted than the previous generation because we're just the world is going to wax worse and worse with more evil and i think it's important that you know we we take on more conviction i don't think it's a sin issue i don't think it's an issue of like well if you don't you're not convicted if you don't hold many convictions and you're living in sin no i think it's a connection issue yeah i think you can miss out on so much because you you lack certain convictions and and i'm not talking about the saints i'm talking about the ministry the right. ministry right. the levites had to do so much more than the tribe of judah and the tribe of benjamin and the tribe of i mean you look at you look at the levites bro they had to dress a certain way they had to uh you know live a certain lifestyle they couldn't just sleep in i mean these guys had to get up every morning and one group had to prepare the sacrifice. Another group had to clean out the incense. Another group had to clean out the altar, the brazen altar and the brazen labor of water because it couldn't be dirty, had to be pure. And so there were so many things that so many tasks that these the, this tribe of Levi had. Yeah. And on top of all that, on top of all, one of the greatest to me uh, uh, types and shadows of the tribe of Levi is when they went to gather the ingredients for the apothecary. Right. They had to, they had to, sometimes the ingredients were found in some of the highest mountains and other ingredients were found in some of the lowest valleys. Yeah. And so 
these men had to travel just for the ingredients of the apothecary, which was the oil that helped burn the incense and helped burn the candlesticks in the tabernacle. This is where, where this is type and shadow of the anointing of God on your life. Right. To get the anointing, these 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 tribes had to sometimes go to the highest of mountains for just an ingredient or some of the lowest valleys. And so conviction is what carries you through. It helps you when you're on that mountaintop. It helps you when you're in that valley low. It keeps you balanced. It keeps you focused. It keeps you in tune. It keeps you connected. And again, it's not a sin issue. It's not, you know, well, I'm living in sin if I don't have conviction. It's like you could be, but not always. Sometimes you just you're just living in a life of complacency, which can turn into sin. Right. And so one of the guardrails for me is like I've always I've always wanted to to be a man of conviction. Uh, and I've taken on uh, convictions in my life that my my father didn't practice. Uh, many men and many peers don't practice and they're not, they're not things that I publicize. They're not things that I tell people, Hey, this is what I do. They're things that are just between me and God. Yeah. And, and that's my guardrail, Yeah. you know, because that's what makes my relationship with God unique is those convictions that I hold. And I know, and God will tell me like, bro, you're, you're slacking Joseph. You know, you need to, you need to get back on it. You know, you need to get back to, to the prayer room. You need to get back to waking up early. One of the one of the convictions I had was waking up at 6 a.m. and praying every morning. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a personal conviction. Like, if I didn't do it, if I don't do that, then I know I'm slacking. You know, uh, another personal conviction was was fasting once a week or fasting, you know, uh, continually fasting something, not just food, fasting social media. And I I, I readily go on social media fast. You know, every now and again, I'll, I'll disappear for weeks at, on end, not posting anything and not. And I don't I don't say, hey, I'm off of here for a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I just turn right. it off. I just delete the app and, and I just do it because it's a conviction that I have, um, you know, convictions like I don't I don't uh, you know, I try not to touch my phone at night uh, when I when I go, when I head to bed, I put the phone to the side or convictions like, you know, I don't I don't I don't do certain things. I don't go to certain places um, um, that, that may be okay for certain people, you know, right. that may not be a sin for certain, for certain groups. And it may be okay for the church down the road to do that, but not for me, not as a minister, not as a pastor where I am, where, what, with what I'm doing, you know? And again, it doesn't make other people, what, what other people are doing wrong or a sin. I'm just saying, this is, this is the way I, I connect with God. Yeah, because I'm giving certain things up as a sacrifice unto God, and so I just believe like one of the guardrails, and 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 it's one of many, but one of the guardrails that, that that has kept me is is just you know the convictions, the personal convictions. Man, that is so powerful the way that you break that down, and I would recommend to our audience, whoever's listening to this, or whoever's going to be listening to this later on, to play that back in one speed at least a couple times and share it with your teams because what you just shared right there is so, so powerful when it comes to ministry and leadership, simply because when you're talking about going and finding the ingredients at, a, at, at the highest mountains and the lowest valleys, that speaks to me in a way that how God prepares you and how he exposes you to the different elements in the highest 
of mountains where the pressure is, where the elevation is, where it's harder to breathe. And in the lowest of valleys where maybe you're looking for direction and the lowest of valleys where you're looking for a little bit of light and, and, and where it's a little darker. And the way that you break that down is so, so powerful. And something that you mentioned that I want to go back on and uh, that I think is very, very deep as well is the message, the messages that, you, that we preach and the messages that we share and how um, was it a pastor that mentioned to you how you're going to live it out at some point? And I yeah, found myself, your devotion. yeah, so I found myself with that challenge as well. Not too long ago, we shared, um, we shared a series on families earlier this year. And when it comes to family, that's something that, that I feel very, very passionate about because I came from a broken home and then now married to my wife um, and, and my two boys, uh, we have our family, you know, we've been married 13 years now, uh, going on 13 years. So that right there, that topic is very, very important to me. And I remember after preaching, I, I remember pouring my heart out, pouring my spirit out. I remember sharing with, with my father-in-law and I, and I told him, I was like, some of the things that, that God put in my heart to share, I, I feel like, like I'm, I feel the conviction. I feel the conviction of, of what oh, I've yeah. already lived through, but also there's a lot of things that I've, that I have to share with the church that maybe I haven't lived through so far. But that that speaks so much to to your leadership there, you know, talking about the ingredients of the valley and the mountain. Um, that is so, so powerful. Also, yes, sir. Some of the things that you mentioned, man, just makes my makes my mind go in different so many different directions um, and, and so many things now that come to mind that I want to ask you about. But, you know, reflecting back on on some of the early days in your ministry uh is there anything that you would like to have back or like to undo or something that you learned from maybe is there an experience that you could share that you learned from that you would like to undo or maybe have back yeah so i know we're not supposed to have any regrets like they, t- they right. would tell you all the time please don't have no regrets but i do have a regret uh and, and it's something that I, I have to pray about continually and ask god to help me through but one of the biggest regrets i have in, in my life was that while my father pastored, um, I did not help him um, as a as a pastor's kid. Um, I feel like I failed him in that area because, and I know now, I understand now that no one is going to understand, uh, if, especially if you're a pastor's kid. Now, this is probably like, this is subjective. So not a lot of people are going to be able to connect to this and that's okay. But if, if there is a pastor's kid, um, that's listening. I think like no one is going to understand the vision and the burden of your father, like you, the, the kids or the pastor's son or pastor's daughter. No one understand, like not even his assistant pastor, not even the, the church board will understand the vision and the burden that he carries. Because a lot of times what happens, especially in, in churches is that people think that it's just pure ambition. It's like, well, he just wants to get it done so his name can be great or his ministry can grow. And then it becomes like a turnoff for people. Like, well, we don't want to do that. We don't want to have that conference. We don't want to have that, you know, that that in our church. We want to just keep doing what we're doing. But the vision and the burden of your father, he's like, it's, it's not just something he lives and preaches on Sunday. He lives and preaches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And you as a family member, as a son, you feel that. You feel that burden. It's a physical weight that is on your shoulders. Yeah. And and it's heavy on your heart and it's heavy on your mind. 
and when you when your father goes up against resistance from not just people but from spirits like the spirit world is is causing resistance and and your father's and your mother are trying to to push past that to accomplish whatever their goal or vision is for the church they need help and when they don't receive the help from the church and it's not the church's fault because you know there there are so many unknown variables and elements that happen and take place but the church the pastor's family should not be an added burden to the pastor yeah you know and you look at the sons of levi you look at the sons of the priests like the the moment the priesthood failed was when the sons of the priests became a burden on the priest they were sinning in the tabernacle they were sinning in the temple they were doing things they weren't supposed to do and all of a sudden you can see you can see that whole ministry just become uh you know just just become corrupted yeah and so what ends up happening is like when when a father and 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 the pastor of the church um takes on a burden he takes it on by himself and instead of us the children helping carry that burden pushing him motivating him saying hey, i'm behind you what do you need me to do you know what can i do to help what can i do how can i help how can i be instead we're like no nah, i don't want to go to church no nah, i don't want to be there dad no nah, i don't want to go pray oh we don't need to do that we don't need to do this and and you're just constantly discouraging like ah, that's that sounds like a terrible idea or or you know but I always think back to like, man, I wish I would have been there for it. I wish I would have been like, yeah, let's do it, dad. 100%. I'm behind you. I'm with you. You know, and I think like looking back, it it, it kind of it kind of gets it, it really it really, you know, gets to me because how how things could be different had I just early on been a help and a support to him, you know, but now full circle. God has, has put us in a position where it's funny how it works, but now I'm my, my I'm the I'm my father's pastor. Yeah. And now he's helping me. Yeah. And now he's the one, you know, and 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 he is, you know, basically helping carry the vision, the burden for the church there in Knoxville. And um so so even though it's a regret, I know God has 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 you know mended that 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 hurt and and helped me through that. But I think like if there's someone right now that's early on in, in ministry and, and they, they think they want to do their own ministry, they don't really think their father or their, their pastor is doing it the right way. I, I would encourage them to just put aside your ambition and, and help carry the burden and the vision of your pastor, your yeah. father. And, and you will see your ministry and his ministry grow um, tremendously um, because there's just something about a team teamwork and there's something about families working together you know the heart the hardest team to work with is your family because you're so familiar with each other right you know each other's hiccups you know each other's you know and 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 it's it's hard to it's hard to accept that that somehow they can be used of god <laughs> it's like i know how yeah. i know how you know i know his attitude i know how he is and 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 that's not really him it's like well you know, I think when you put all that aside and say, no, I believe in you, you know, God has given us the privilege. Now I have all my brothers with me. Um, my younger brother, he's kind of like my assistant, you know, he, he's my interpreter. Um, he's, he's the baby of the family. And, and, 
And, um, and now he's doing a great work for God. I have my two older brothers who aren't, aren't necessarily in church, but they're, they're, they're one of the biggest givers to the church, not just financially, but, uh, effort wise, if we do any event, they're there setting up, they're there making sure it's ready to go. And we're talking about two, two men that are not even really in church. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's something about uh, when you and your family can can come together and do a work for God, that God blesses that. He honors that because he knows how difficult it is for you to work with your father and your brother and your sister and those in your family. He knows how difficult that is. So when you're able to lay aside all your pride and all the issues that you think you have, and, and we all come from a dysfunctional family, like, don't get it twisted. Like, if you feel like your family is dysfunctional, trust me, you're not the only one. All of our families are dysfunctional. Right. Um, but it's when you're able to put that aside and say, oh, you know what? Let's put the kingdom first. And in putting the kingdom first, God will mend the broken heart. God will change his heart, his attitude. God will help, you know, with with adjusting what needs to be adjusted, when it needs to be adjusted. But um if I could do anything different, man, it'd be just, just being more of a help and a support to my family. Yeah. I want to tap into a little bit more about, uh, about the life of a PK. You know, you mentioned PKs and, and your experience with that. Do you feel that there's a lack of compassion and understanding for PKs? Uh, I think, I think there's, I don't think it's a lack of compassion or understanding. I think there's just a, an unrealistic level of expectation. Okay. Um, you know, we just assume that like every pastor says is going to be this great preacher. Or great man of God, especially if the pastor is a great preacher. Um, there's just uh, a, a, an unrealistic level of expectations. Like there's a reason that great preachers become great preachers. Like they've gone through hardship. They've gone through turmoil. They've gone through, you know, uh, just so many different life situations. And a PK doesn't go through that. Not at that level, you know, and it, not to say that they don't have challenges or struggles, not to say that it's just di- a different level of challenges and struggle like uh, uh, uh for example someone that grows up in poverty has a different upbringing than someone that grows up wealthy right and i'm not saying a pk grows up wealthy that's not what i mean what i'm saying is the upbringing is different and so uh if if a uh, if a young man in poverty grows up to be successful and a young man in, in, in wealth grows up to be successful, what was the difference? What was the difference of them acquiring their wealth? It was the process on how they got there. Right. Right. So my father's process to his success is different than my process to my success. Why? My father came from El Salvador. He had to swim in a river. He got here with nothing. He had no papers. He had no friends. He had no family. And he literally had to make something of himself. And he went to Bible college and he, he studied and he went and started church and, 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 you know, through the help of God, he became what he was, but I didn't have those tra- challenges or struggles. Right. You know, my struggle as a PK was, you know, I went to too many conferences. I sat down at too many tape, too, too many tables with too many great men of God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. like my challenge was that I, I had to realize that I'm not something great or special. You know, I had to, it's kind of like in reverse, you know, and and then when I was able to humble myself, then I was able to to find success. But I think like the challenge is we put so much unrealistic expectation over pastors' kids, and and what happens is either the pressure breaks them, or the pressure makes them something that they're not supposed to be. 
Right. And and then you see these guys that walk around that think they got ice in their veins because they're the son of Fulano de Tal. And you're like, bro, no, that's not what this is supposed to be. Right. This isn't nepotism. You know, we don't hand it down because just because you're the son. You know, you still have to work out your salvation with fear and dribbling. You still have to, you know, seek whatever the call of God is in your life. And and I think at the end of the day, you know, the preachers, the preachers, kids, um, if they get treated unfairly, you know, I think it, it, it boils down to, um, you know, the unrealistic expectation that that we set upon them. Right. You know, they have challenges, too. They face you know, they face difficulties too. It's just not the same as, as, as maybe the ones their father faced. And sometimes, you know, not that it's worse, but it's, it's just like, there's no room for error. You know, there's yeah. no room for error. It's like, well, they can't fail. Why, why can't they fail? It's like, they're just as human as your kids are, you know? And, and then we, 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 you know, we want to leave the church because the pastor's son se porta mal. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> I yeah. mean, kids, kids are going to be rebellious. Kids are going to be teenagers. Kids are, you know, when I was when I was in, a, a teenager and, and a lot of people don't know this, I was selling drugs to our young people. Wow. I was selling drugs to our youth. I was pulling kids out of youth services, taking them to the corner. And we were we were doing drugs in the church property. Wow. That's the type of pastor son that I was. So you talk about being a bad pastor's kid. I was the worst of the worst, you know, and and so um, but there was there was like I said, there was just this unrealistic expectation put on me. And not only that, like and I and, and I had to and I don't, I don't want to take too much time, but there there was something that God kind of put in me and yeah. and and I had to work it out. But I remember one guy one time God saying, remember, remember back. And, and and God was showing me this and he's like, you know, ever since you were you were young, people have told you you're going to be a great man of God. You're going to be used greatly of God. You're going to you're going to do a great work for God. You're going to be powerful. You're going to be used. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. And 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 then I'm like, yeah, I, I do remember since I was a kid. This is all I've heard, you know, and then God smote my heart and said, but you've put so much emphasis on you. It's like this is not about you. This is about me using you. This is about me making you great. This is about me doing the work in you. And so what happens is, you know, especially as a pastor's son, we hear these things so much that we're going to be great. We're going to this, we're going to that. And we put so much emphasis on us that the moment we fail, we feel like there's no, it's like, oh, well, there's no room for error. I failed and I'm no longer going to be that great man. I'm no longer going to be used greatly. Yeah. Right. So. Because there's such a high level of expectation, there's also a very low uh, level or room for error. And so, like, that's where you have to find that balance. Like, let, let me bring that level of expectation down and let me bring that level of error or room for error up. And yeah. you find that that fine balance of like, hey, I may not build a 1000 member church, but if I can build a 50 member church that those 50 members love God. You know what I'm saying? Right. Then, then I'm going to do it. And I know that's kind of backwards. Like, well, you don't have faith. It's like, no, it's not that I don't have faith. It's just that I'm not going to be, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where, uh, where I'm constantly living in disappointment and discouragement. Right. You know, I'm, I'm going to do exactly what God called me to do. 
And if God is calling me to do more, then I will do that. But it's like the the unrealistic level of expectation we put on ourselves and we put on these young men or these young ladies. Like we feel like a young lady has to go marry a pastor's son. It's like, why can't she marry a great businessman who's a contributor to the kingdom of God? Right. And then we constantly criticize them because she's not dating the right person or she's not. And, and it's just to me, it's just a, it's it's a total failure on our part, because, again, the expectation is unrealistic. Right. It's like God is not going to let somebody, you know, um, you know, uh, end up where they're not supposed to be as long as they are pursuing the will of God. And I think the expectation doesn't need to be, they should be X, Y, Z. The expectation needs to be as long as they're doing the will of God, they'll become everything God called them to do. Yeah. God called, called them to be. Thank you for being so transparent with that and being very open with your testimony. That is very powerful. And that's one of the most effective ways I would say to, to really reach people. But whenever you put PKs in the front and center of a room in a conversation when you're talking about expectations, you got expectations coming from different directions. You got it coming from the church. You got it coming from your parents. You got it coming from closer family and the pressure's on. And after a while, the weight yeah. of the ministry and it, it gets stressful and it gets heavy. So what would you tell to PKs right now that maybe are feeling the weight of ministry and they feel it's stressful and they're slowing down in ministry? What would you tell those PKs now? Well, I, I, it's it's not going to be something I want to hear, but I'm I'm just going to say it because it's true. You are not a um, you're not exempt from ministry, uh, unfortunately. Um, you're not, uh, you know. It's like, well, it's just it's my dad's ministry. It's not mine. It's like that's not true. You're an extension of his ministry, and the moment you abandon that extension or you disconnect it, it's like a um, it's it's uh, it's like it's it's just like uh him losing a limb right yeah like you are his right or his left arm you are his right or his left leg and the moment you disconnect from that then he loses a limb and he is he is working with a handicap and and if he accomplishes much man he's great because he accomplished it with that handicap you know what i'm saying right and so i told a young person this week uh, this he was a son of an evangelist and i was praying for him and I was, as I was praying for him, I said, bro, you are an extension of your father's ministry. He is not the only evangelist. You are too. And so, you know, I think like as as pastors, kids, um, you know, you, you're not exempt from the ministry that is before you. Um, you don't necessarily have to be the one in the pulpit. You don't necessarily have to be the leader or the, you know, but you're an extension. You're an extension of that. So if you're not praying for people, if you're not investing in people if you're not loving and caring for people if you're treating the people your dad's trying to win bad if you're treating them wrong you're you're an extension of his ministry you're unfortunately it's just that's just the way it is um you know and you could say well when i get older i'm leaving it's like when you get older you better be leaving to go start a church or else you're still going to be that handicap because guess what your dad your mom they're going to constantly be worried and praying and exhausting energy on wanting to save you and bring you back when there's a whole city that needs to be saved. Yeah. And, and I've seen it time and time again, you know, ministers get, get, you know, they, they go through, through these seasons of like, you know, cause parents, I mean, as, as, as much as you think they don't love you, they do love you and they care about you. And the moment you walk away from this, their energy 
their prayers are no longer geared towards their city. They're geared towards you. Yeah. And so now you become this unnecessary burden. It's like, why? Because you should already be in this. You shouldn't make them worried. You shouldn't make them concerned because they are already, they are already worried for a city and a, and a town. And it's like we, we turn into these victims like, well, my dad didn't show me enough attention. My mom didn't love me enough. And they should have been there for me. They should have gone to my recital and my football game, my soccer game. And they were too busy winning souls, too busy. It's like, I'm sorry, but the kingdom of God and, and yes, there's a balance and family comes first. But if if you were right there by their side doing ministry with them, you won't miss out on those those family moments. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and it's it's better for you to be at their side than for them to abandon their ministry to attend to your to your uh you know need for attention. Yeah. And that's what that's what happened to me, bro. The reason I left and, and rebelled and like acted out was because there was a huge need for attention. I was upset. Like my dad spends more time preaching out than he does being at my band recital. I played saxophone. I was really good at it. And he maybe came to one recital and I was bitter about it. You know, yeah. but it's like I had the opportunity to go with him. I had the opportunity to be by his side. He would take me, you know, wanted to take me to most of the things he went to. And I look now and 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 the way I do ministry now is different because I'm like, I take my kids with me everywhere. You know, my son, he sees a microphone and he says, hey, I want to preach. Let me preach. And he don't know what that means. He don't know what that, but he already has in his mind, you know, yeah, yeah. that that's what he wants to do. And, uh, and, and my wife and, and my family, and I've seen other older men with older kids that, and I, and I'm connected to, to families that pastor and their kids are the, are the forerunners of their ministry. And these are adults, 36, 37 years old, and they're taking churches to another level because instead of uh, disconnecting themselves from their father's ministry, they embrace the role of being the extension of their father's ministry, Yeah, you know? loving and caring for the people that their father's trying to win instead of pushing them to the side or, or treating them wrong. And so, um, like I said, you know, if, if, if you're struggling with, with, you know, your role and as a pastor's kid, you know, just, just embrace the role that you're an extension of that ministry. And yes, God will build you and create you a, a, a ministry that is unique but while you're under his leadership, while you're under his house, first and foremost, if you're under his roof, then just be an extension of his ministry. And it's not a permanent deal. It's not like, well, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You're not. But while you're there, serve. While you're there, serve. It's so funny how, like, as pastor's kids, and we're all this way. Every pastor's kid is this way. When you go to somebody else's house, you act better than their kids because you know what you're supposed to do. You never wash dishes at your house, but when you're at somebody else's house, you're there washing their dishes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you never pick up after yourself at your house, but when you're at somebody else's house, you're, you're there cleaning up constantly, right. you know? And so it's like, you want to go do ministry somewhere else. It's like, well, you have a ministry you can do here at home. Yeah. And that's being an extension of your father's ministry. And that is so good. One of the things that you made me think about was, as PKs are carrying the weight and they're carrying the weight of the ministry and the stress, there's something that the church can be doing in the meantime to support them. What is that? What is it? What is it that the church can do or say to support or to better support PKs? And I've been around PKs for all of my life. And some of my best friends have always been PKs because I, even though my parents were not in yeah. ministry, my grandparents were, my point is, is that 
some of my best friends have been PKs and I've seen the ins and outs and I've, and I've been close to them. And for some reason, I don't know why God has always put me close to a PK as my best friend ever since I was growing up in California. Um, when I was a kid, even, even till now, some of my, my best friends and some of my greatest relationships were with PKs. So what is something that the church can be doing or some of the things that the, the best things that the church can say or do to support PKs? Yeah. So one of, one of the biggest things for me, at least is like, so I think about my kids and, and the church we're at now. And one of the things that I, that I pray and, and hope for is that the church would, would love my kids, you know, show them the love and, and, um, and the appreciation that I received. Now I, I want to say this from the onset is, you know, I had a great BK life. Like I, as terrible as I was, our church until this day, I can go back to the church I grew up in and people, they love, they love on me. They love me. They show me so much appreciation and love. And, 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 you know, it's, it's funny because you, you know, you, you, you walk out of church on Sunday or Wednesday and they're selling tortas or tamales or whatever. And they're always, you know, they would always just give me a plate of food or they'd always just give yeah. us like, I never had to buy anything. And I grew up with that. I'm like, and, and, and even now to this day, the people still treat me that way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, my dad's not even their pastor anymore, and they're still wanting to bless me and be there for me. So, and and I think like that's the first thing is just love, 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 care for them, bless them, be a blessing to them. You know, it, it could be as simple as giving them a five dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, or taking them out to eat, or and and, and just that kind of love. It, it speaks volumes. You don't know what that does for a pastor's kid, his, his, his insecurity, his, his appreciation for ministry. And, um, and so that, that is number one. Number two, um, is just protect them, you know, protect them. And what I mean by protect them is I had a lot of people that when they saw I was getting around the wrong crowd, when they saw they, they were like, they weren't, they weren't going to go for it. They're like, no, um, and they used to call me Chepe when I grew up there. My name was, I'm Joseph, but my my, my nickname growing up was Chepe. They'd be like, no, Chepe, vente. no, no, you're not going over there. No, 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 no. And this is not my parents. This is not my family members. These were people from the church that were protecting me. You know, they pull me aside and say, hey, look, those young people that you're around, they're not good young people. You shouldn't be around them. You shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, and I think a lot of times, like we just, we abandoned that role as the church because we're like, well, I'm not his, his dad should be telling him that he shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, yeah, but we need to protect these kids because, you know, as the dad and the mom are ministering or counseling, whatever they're doing, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a void there that the church has to assume the role of, you know, the, 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 the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. That's what that's what it takes a church. It takes a church to raise a child. You know, the church becomes the mother of the child because the mother is still ministering and the mother and the father are doing ministry. So the church assumes the role. And I had many men and women in my life from our church that assumed the role of of fatherhood and motherhood. And they fathered me and they mothered me. And and I needed that. And I think that because of those men and women that I, I always knew. That, that the church would be a place I could go to, you know, even to this day, you know, my dad, when, when he resigned from the church, there was, there was, you know, a lot of resentment. There was a lot of feelings that, that, that were hurt, 
but there was never a day that I could not go back to that church and not feel the love. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the care of the church. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like there was never, even after he resigned, even after he left and there was people that felt indifferent about it, I would go back and people would still, as if my dad was still the pastor, love and care for me and, and show me the utmost respect and, 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 and just, you know, yeah, I appreciated that. And I still do appreciate that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. How has your experience growing up as a BK helped you now as a husband, father, and now as a pastor? What carries over with you the most? Well, I, I, tell, I tell my dad all the time, like, you know, I, I kind of, and it's not a dig at him. It's it's just, you know, life, te- life gives you lessons and you learn from them. And I say, you know, dad, there was a lot of things we did wrong, a lot of things you did wrong that, that I'm not going to do. And my dad would agree. And he would tell you today, yeah, there's things that, you know, they didn't have a school of ministry. They didn't have training. It was just, they just sent them out and they figured it out as they went. So yeah, a lot of things were done wrong or backwards. And so I learned from those things. I learned from, you know, uh, the experiences my dad had. And, and even now he'll tell me like, Hey, you know, I did this and you shouldn't do that. And, um, and, and so, Looking back, um, there, there's there's things that that I know that I don't want my son to experience or face. You know, I don't want him to be unaware of of the yeah. struggle of ministry. You know, I think my dad tried to protect us so much from the struggle of ministry that we lived thinking everything was okay, everything was fine and dandy, and then all of a sudden when he resigns, we're like, what what happened? Like we didn't even know there was a struggle. Yeah. You know, but I think that you have to make because if 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 the kids are going to be an extension of your ministry, you have to make them aware of them, you know, yeah, and it's not so much sharing all the details of, of what's happening. But, you know, it's it's saying, hey, you know, my my, my brother, uh, Edwin Cicada, I call him my brother. He he pastors in, in with a sex. And one thing he does, he has three, three kids. He has two older boys. They're like preteens. And he'll go up to him and say, hey, guys, we're battling right now in this service. Y'all need to pray. And those those boys, they're preaching. They'll start praying in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and the, and, and in the middle of a service, you know, mm. uh, or or they'll go home and after church and, and he'll tell them and say, he'll sit them down and say, hey, look, we have we're right now we're struggling with this family. There's a lot of things happening in their life. He doesn't give them the details, but he tells them, he said, y'all just need to be praying for that family because they're really struggling right now. And when you get a chance, uh, love on their kids, love on their family and, and be there for them. Yeah. You know, that's powerful. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And just before I let you go, uh, Pastor Joseph, there's something that I also wanted to ask you, you know, everything that you've been sharing has been so, so deep and, and, and very, very rich. What, what are some of your least favorite moments? And aside from the food, that you've already mentioned as, as being a highlight, <laughs> what has, what would you say is uh, a least favorite and a favorite moment of being a PK? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have uh, any least favorites. I think I loved everything about my life as a PK. Um, the, my, the highlight of being a PK was being around so many great men of God, um, being exposed to so many men, 
uh, so so much ministry. I think today uh, I'm a product of my environment. I'm a product of all those men. I preach like all those men. I teach like all those men. You know, because they they imparted in me things that that you know I wouldn't have got otherwise. Um, uh, but you know, I think even the struggle, even the worst parts, even the worst days of ministry. Um, were beneficial and and looking back at the time I probably didn't like them but looking back I appreciate I appreciate the struggle you know I appreciate the what my father faced and what he went through um because without that man I wouldn't be who I am today you know yeah I wouldn't be so protective of my ministry of my convictions I wouldn't be so protective of my family uh, of my character you know, because I know now how important it is to protect your character and protect your family and your integrity. Yeah. And there's so many things that we didn't even get to. And, and that's OK. We'll leave that for another day. But I think we'll, with what you've shared has been so powerful, so deep. And I think it's going to be a blessing and, a, and, and very beneficial, very valuable to so many people, especially PKs and in leadership. It's been very, very profound. And I want to thank you for being transparent, being very oh, open. Thank you, man. And thank you for the time. Um, I want to be respectful of your time as well. And just before I let you go, I want to talk about some resources real quick that maybe that you could uh, recommend and that maybe has stuck with you along through your preparation. And even till this day, I don't know, maybe fair favorite music, uh, books, podcasts, YouTube channels, anything that has helped you oh, yeah. grow? What is uh, something that you could recommend as resources to our leadership? Yeah. So the first thing is books, man. Books, books, books. Uh, I, I, I used to read a lot. My father made me read a lot. Um, and, and to this day, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a book man. I, I read constantly. And, and um, so there's several books out there that I think everyone should read. There's a book by, I think it's Mark Patterson called All In. Uh, that's a great book. That one kind of changed my perspective on on a lot of things in ministry and life. Uh, there's another book uh, that I read, um, and I don't know the author of the book, uh, but it's called uh, This is the Victory That Overcomes Even Our Own Faith. Uh, and if, if you want to find that book, you just... DM me or message me through my social media page and I can get you the copy or I can get you the, the author because I have the book. It's a hard copy. It's an old book. It's about World War II. It's about the London Blitz when when uh, Germany came in and was dropping bombs daily on on London. And it's about having faith and overcoming even the, you know, the worst of, of situations. And yeah. that really was a transforming yeah. book in my life. There's another book. I don't know the author, but it's called The Seven Last Words of Jesus Christ when he was upon the cross. That's a great book to read. Uh, there's a book by J.T. Pugh called The Power and the Wisdom of the Cross. Every young minister should read it. Um, that's a, a very transforming book. It'll it'll change you. It'll transform you. It'll challenge you. Um, and, and then lastly, I think like, you know, any podcast that deals with ministry, you may not feel like people have a lot to say or a lot to give, but there's always things small nuggets and snippets of things that you can take from and and ponder on or even inspire you and so like obviously this podcast if you're not subscribed to this one subscribe to it um there's another podcast called the biblios network by nathaniel urshan that I, I'm, I'm always tuning into um they have a youtube channel as well and then uh i i like to um uh, i like to listen to old old preachings from like 1980 1970 from because of the times or apostolic yeah. 
elders mm. in the faith. I think going back and listening to their voices, they're still relevant. They're still, um, you know, uh, you can still relate them to today's age. And um, and so those are some of the resources, man. And, and then obviously Bible commentaries. I like reading the Matthew Henry Bible commentary. Uh, there's a guy, David Guzik. David Guzik, he's a kind of more modern commentary, um, but you can find him online. I, I read a lot of his commentaries um, because, like, if you're bilingual and you need the English and Spanish version, David Guzik gives you an English and Spanish version of his commentary, and so does Matthew Henry. They're the yeah. only two that I know so far that have an English and Spanish commentary. Um, there may be some other Spanish commentaries out there, but I don't know of them. So there's the uh, uh, blogs, man, just reading blogs. I grew up on blogs, so my pastor had a blog. I read all his blogs, and then I'm, I, I write a blog, and I have blogs. I put up some of my sermons on there, some sermon notes. And my sermon notes are, are weird because I'm not like – I don't put a lot of thought-based messages together. A lot of my messages come from Bible and verses and commentaries and books. And so the beneficial thing about if you, like, go read my blog is that you don't you don't get a lot of what I think or what my opinion is, you get a lot of information. So okay. I will literally put a book on there or a passage of a scripture or a passage of a, of a commentary. And so it's, it's information you can literally copy and paste and you use it as you need it. And where can people find it? Because you have, you also have a phenomenal podcast. Where can people find that? And I would love to put a link in the description where people could find your blog as well, if you allow us to do that and uh, where people can find your podcast also. Yeah, so you can find my uh, blog on bsjosephperez.wordpress.com. And then, uh, and through that, it's a kind of a website deal, which you can find my podcast there and, and you know, even some preachings and, and teachings and uh, YouTube uh, links there. And then all the blogs are there. And I, I have them bilingual, so English and Spanish there. Uh, then uh, the podcast on Apple, Spotify, most podcast platforms. Uh, it's Joseph's podcast and it's also a English and a Spanish podcast. So I have episodes in English, I have episodes in Spanish. Then I have a YouTube channel that I just started. So it's Joseph's podcast, a YouTube channel. Um, and it's, it's, you can find the Joseph's podcast and, um, and then, uh, my social media, I'm always posting stuff about my podcast episodes, snippets and things like that. My handle is, uh, Joseph's podcast. So, man, that's <laughs> awesome. Podcast. That's awesome, bro. And uh, where could people connect with your church as well? Um, maybe we can put a link of the, descri- uh, yeah, of the description there. Absolutely. So the handle for the church is PIA underscore Knoxville. And that's the Facebook and the Instagram handle uh, at PIA underscore Knoxville. Uh, and we're, we're constantly putting up, uh, you know, reels, videos. We have a we have a tremendous social media team, uh, photography, videography. They they're the best of the best, and God has blessed us with that. So uh, you can you can find I, I take ideas from others. So if you want ideas, you can you can use us or use others. But we just kind of we imitate and copy what other people do. So <laughs> man, that's awesome. And you you guys are doing it right. You you guys are doing it at a high level. I commend you for that. You're leading at a high level. And you can definitely see and I feel your passion, man, as you're speaking, as you're talking, I can feel your passion for the ministry and I commend you for that. And you can see truly the hand of God over your life and your family and you're in the right place at the right time and in the right city. So thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it, bro. 
Thank you. Thank you for being part of our conversation today. I will leave some links in the description below where you can connect with Pastor Joseph Perez. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out a single thing. Also, you could help us reach others by leaving a good rating. Feel free to leave a review or even share it on social media. And that would mean so much to me. In the meantime, I would love to connect with you. In the description, you will also find some links. Let me know how this was helpful to you. You can also visit the blog page where you can find more helpful content like this and inspired to inspired.org that's inspired the number two inspired.org but for now continue moving forward in the direction god is leading you continue taking steps closer in becoming who god has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life god bless and we'll see you on the next one